Hello and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today we have special guest Haley Epstein. How you doing? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Um, so Haley is not a comedian. Surprise. Well, I'm, <laughs> you're funny, but um, she is a person who I actually got introduced to somebody from Deerfield, um, which is where I went to high school. And you speak about mental health at. Deerfield and middle school. I'm just trying to make sure I get it right. Yeah, right? I kind of just speak all over. I've spoken okay. at like all different places at this okay, point. Okay, cool. But yeah. I just wanted to make sure. Okay, cool. So you were telling me a little bit about that, yes. but I just wanted to hear more like in depth about it, your feelings about it. I was trying to get like base level. Yes, of course. So I can hear about it. So like tell me what your experience was because I want to ask first how much time you've done. Of course. And then go into like how you started doing the speaking. Yeah. Um. So... I've done time my entire life, what it feels like, basically. (laughs) Like, I'm 21, I've done 21 years (laughs) of Exactly. Um, No, I started going to therapy when I was five because I had a traumatic phobia of clouds. Um, (laughs) What a rough life. (laughs) Oh, you have no idea. No, like, couldn't face windows in classrooms because if I saw clouds with... five? Oh, like, it was... Yeah, it was the thing. Like, it'd be sunny and would, like, have anxiety attacks that it was going to storm, never went to camp. anxiety attacks at five, so what were they like? Um, it was mostly temper tantrums, which is like, I talk a lot in my talk about it. My talks are, they're called, it's okay to not be okay. And I basically just go through my life doing time, I guess. And talking about how my anxiety and mental health has changed and evolved over time. But when I talk about my anxiety from when I was five until probably like 11 or 12 it was basically everyone just telling me I was a worry kid and my mom always just being like you're a kid that just worries all the time and like has temper tantrums when she like gets nervous when it was really just like full-blown anxiety and no one knew so that's how I always worry so they like labeled you like that's just who you are versus like this is who you are but let's also work on it right well so I would kind of just have people just saw him as temper tantrums. Like my second grade teacher used to kick me out of the classroom all the time because she's like, I don't know how to handle you. So go sit in the hall until you've calmed down. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, let me get your social work. Or like what's wrong, like what's right. causing this, exactly. what's the root of it. Well, I feel like also they're not going to, and even in like you're 21, like mm-hmm. even 10 years ago. Right. Like that still wasn't Absolutely. a proper way. That's like a proper way to treat it. You're like, oh, just fucking kick him out. They well, suck. Exactly. And then let him back in when they're calmed down. Oh, like 1,000%. That's, but I think I was even talking about this with friends where like I worked at a special ed school and mm-hmm. like we don't take enough time to understand these kids and at right. special ed we do because we're like trained to do that mm-hmm. but when you have normal kids quote unquote normal right. mainstream you're not asking those questions and like getting to the root of the problem because they're not labeled and in right. special ed they're labeled so you're like oh they're autistic here's how we deal with it versus like oh maybe they have anxiety let's take the steps oh, absolutely. to deal with it. Well and that was Honestly, one of the coolest talks I ever did was right before we went into quarantine. And I spoke at the DPS 109, which is like my middle school and elementary schools. I spoke at their teacher conference. Oh, wow. So it was teachers that I had or that like were there when I was in second grade. Oh, wow. And I one of the, That's so it weird. It was so cool. And I, one of the second grade teachers that, my second grade teacher retired, but one of the second grade teachers that was the classroom across the hall from me, she came to my talk not knowing like anything about it. Right. And when I, in my presentation, I have pictures like that are up behind me. So I have like a picture of me when I was in like second grade when I talk about it. And she came up to me afterwards and she's like, I literally remember seeing you like sitting in the hallway crying and being like, what is going on? And I was talking to her about it afterwards and she was like, that was only 
15 years ago and she goes now we like teach social emotional learning and if you were like seven-year-old Haley today you would have had a 504 plan and you would have picked your teacher you would have had friends in your class like it would have been a completely different experience which makes you feel so good that things are changing and at the same time like there are 1,000 percent teachers out there that are probably still kicking kids out of the classroom right right but that's still crazy that they like have changed the whole system because Mm -hmm. of that and knowing that and I think I also think too that like you wouldn't have wanted it any other way just because you wouldn't be you wouldn't be speaking oh absolutely you would have gotten it solved and not solved but you would have taken the steps to like you would have been in a completely different place oh 1,000 so you started speaking but like what happened before then like as far as like therapy psych ward yeah. like all that stuff so spark note version I went to therapy all of elementary school okay. into middle school mm-hmm. no into all of elementary school first day of sixth grade completely lost my mind like didn't know what to do like had a breakdown and like spent the first two weeks with the school psychologist because I like couldn't go to my classes okay and it's one of the main things I talk about in my talks is like in sixth grade you're like going to middle school and you want to be cool and you want to be like outgoing and making oh, friends yeah. and like was I supposed to tell all of my friends that I was crying because I like couldn't be at school when I was 12 right. like it was a joke was it anxiety it was all just like it was like I was in kindergarten all over again and like didn't know how to leave my mom it was really weird oh, yeah but that was the first time I got put on medication like for the first time in my life when I was 11 or 12 for um, what I think they were just, like, general anxiety meds. Like, just, like, a baseline anxiety med. Because okay. um, sometimes they'll give you ADHD meds. Because oh, no. they're, like, just fucking take these. No, here. I've been tested for ADHD so many times, and that's definitely not it. It's, like... And I think more, like, a couple years ago, I finally, like, saw... Someone did, like, a, like, swab test, and I saw, like, the actual chemicals and, like, genes in my body. And, like, it really gave me a sense of being, like, this is why these things are happening. Oh, wow. And it's not just, like here take this med it'll make you feel better it's like this med is going to help you because x y and z you don't have in your brain or in your body right so I think seeing that was like huge for me and it made a lot of it make sense from like when I was a kid of like being yeah and I think it also reassures you that like if you've ever heard of obviously in mental health you've heard of this saying where it's like why do we treat mental health differently than like a broken bone or like a broken this or sprained this but I think having science like science to back it up absolutely reassures you that it's not it's it's not really in your control mm-hmm. even though you can cope with it it's not something that you know is kind of just like oh I felt like being lazy or, or right. I feel like crying it's like no no one wants to feel like absolutely. this and I, I did one of those at like a therapy program and they did it to see like which meds were work for me but it mm-hmm. didn't tell me like what was wrong like it right. didn't tell me like if I'm missing serotonin or whatever or, like absolutely. my serotonin levels are low or whatever um but I got to see like which meds would work for me and I was like oh so this is science and like this right. isn't it it does reassure you a little bit oh for sure um but yeah so I got put on meds when I was probably 11 or 12 and then was honestly like chilling through middle school and into like my junior year but like still missed out on so many things and people just didn't know where like I didn't go to Springfield because I had strep quote unquote I didn't go to DC because I didn't find a room on time like I just was so nervous to go and knew that I would be anxious if I went Mm -hmm. so I missed out on so many things still even though it was handled I guess or under control in a way right um but yeah, I got to high school and I really loved high school, honestly. Like, I had really great friends. I was, did a million different things. And then um, my 
junior year, I guess, the end of my junior year going into my senior year, I started to really, really struggle with eating and like body image and a bunch of stuff like that. And I am someone who likes to do everything on my own. Like my parents joke, my first words were I do it. Like mm-hmm. I don't like when people help me. Mm-hmm. So when I started like struggling with eating and I think starting to feel depressed, I was like, but I'm fine. And like, I'll be able to figure it out because like I'm Haley and I don't need to ask anyone for help. Right. Um, and I kind of just thought it was like if I just kept doing my normal things, it was just going to kind of go away. Right. So I dealt with anxiety, but depression was a whole new ball game for me. I had mm-hmm. always been quote unquote happy Haley. And it was like uh-huh. no one knew me as anything other. So I was like, oh, well, if I just keep doing my stuff, I'll be fine. Yeah, I think and we even talked about this in the last podcast where like you have several different identities. Like there's probably school, oh, school sure. Haley and dance right. Haley and like friends Haley and like how you treat your parents Haley like you have all these different identities and I think that um when you find an identity that you feel like you have to fulfill you're suppressing the other emotions like I said that I was always like the class clown like in high school I won like most sarcastic for Mm -hmm. like senior superlatives or whatever and I'm I do comedy and like all these things that make me feel funny so like if I'm not funny therefore I can't be sad because I'm not fulfilling this like identity and I think that that's like super hard when your thing is to be happy like how the fuck can you not oh for sure show that you're depressed it's like that's the opposite of what you're supposed to be well and that was the whole thing that I talk about a lot too is that I wasn't Haley anymore I was a girl that was depressed and I talk about it a lot when it comes to like self-harm it was like if you had told me I would ever do something like that I would have been like you're absolutely insane like what are you talking about and it became the kind of thing where it was like, well, I'm not Haley anymore, and these are things Haley would do. Now I'm this depressed person, and these are things that depressed people do. So this is what I should be doing. Right. So it wasn't even like Haley was making the decision to do those things. It was like this depressed person that is me right now is making those decisions. It's out of body experience. Did you? Oh, for did sure. you have disassociation? Yes, I have huge disassociation. Okay, can you give like an example to people? Yeah, who so, don't not don't know what it is, but maybe who even are like don't know they're struggling. Yes, with it. it's. So confusing. And I think one of the biggest things I always talk about and emphasize is that your anxiety, your depression, your OCD, eating, whatever it is, changes and evolves over time. So, Mm -hmm. like, the way your anxiety looks when you're five doesn't look the same when you're 10 versus 30 years old. Right. So, like, when I would – I, like, have my most vivid memory of it is – I went to sleepaway camp and I made it four days before they sent me home because I was so anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a vivid memory of sitting in the parking lot and everyone, like my mom and all these people told me that I was trying to run away from camp. And I don't remember being there, but I can picture myself like sitting on the gravel, like from above. Like I can see myself sitting there and I know that wow. it happened, but I don't remember being there like okay. at all. So yeah. that's like extreme disassociation, extreme but like anxiety. there's, I think when I just have anxiety attacks in general, I feel like I'm putting myself in a different environment than where I actually am and like needing to use my senses and like touch things to like really be like, I'm actually here and this isn't like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, like when you have anxiety attacks, like it, obviously people know the biggest thing about panic attacks is you feel like you're dying. Right. And you're not going to be aware of things that are going around you, going on around you. And I think that like, my therapist always says, Drew, I know you're going to hate me, but you got to do oh grounding God, yeah. techniques, grounding. But it's super important because if you're having an anxiety attack and you're like, this is great. Oh, wait, that's great. Like, right. you really start to, like, absorb what's in front of you versus, like, what's in your fucking head. Because oh, you, sure. you can't get it out. And um, I think that, like, 
obviously disassociation is a huge part of depression, but also doing things you wouldn't normally do is also a form of dissociation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think too, um, I talk about it. I actually just posted about it on my Instagram the other day. Um, is talking about how it looks so different in all different people. So mm-hmm. I made a whole post about like suicidal warning signs and people wanted me to talk about it because it's Suicide Prevention Month. Happy Suicide Prevention Month. Oh, wow. Um, and I was talking about it, how most people, when they're depressed or suicidal, isolate. They don't do things they normally want to do. They're acting very different than themselves. But I was going and doing everything I wanted to do because I was fighting so hard what everyone thought. Like, I didn't want anyone to know. So I think I did the opposite and I think so many other people do the opposite too, which is why it's so tricky because it just presents itself so differently and everyone's warning signs or everyone's portrayal and projection of whatever mental health issue it is, is so different. Yeah. And I think, right. And that's really important too. And I think it's like, it really just, I guess, speaks to the fact of where we come from too. We're always supposed to be doing 10 things at once. Right. So that's similar to what happened to me where people are like, I didn't even know you went to DePaul. People ask me two years late. I went to DePaul for two years and people are like, oh, you graduated from Denver, right? And I was like, whoa. People think I I still go to Wisconsin I like had a suicide (laughs) attempt between like at DePaul. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like I was still going there and I tried to kill myself and people still ask me like, did you, and I was like, whoa what they're Mm -hmm. like didn't you like die didn't you die for four years and I was like no I like no but and and I wasn't on social media for a couple years Mm -hmm. during that time but um it's I was go 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 I was still a division one athlete and then I obviously quit but I like was in a program and I was still going to school and like talking to my friends and like even like seeing my friends that like it just I was so go 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 all the time and I I think that it's hard to see those signs. So you need to make sure to ask people, like right. if you know they're going through even something that like there's, they say they're okay about, like just ask like how they're doing about right. it. Cause you might get an answer that you were never expecting. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that kind of leads into like the next part of my doing time in my life was my senior year when I started to feel that way. I went to treatment for the first time after I wouldn't, yeah, I went to treatment for the first time and I was still going to dance company practice every day after PHP. So oh, I'd wow. be at the hospital or at program wherever I was mm-hmm. from 8 to 2. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to the high school and I'd go to dance company. And no one had any – no one knew where I was all day. But then I was there for dance did company. Did that make the like dancing like hard? Like, did you – Honestly, dance, like, saved me in so many ways. Okay. Like, dance and, like – my dance friend I have such close friends but my dance friends and my dance team were just a completely different like part of my life of like feeling comfortable and feeling accepted Uh that when I first went into treatment my dad was like you're not going to dance you're not doing anything like you have to focus on treatment and I was like dance is like what is going to make me better Mm -hmm. I was like I need some sort of normalcy and I need this outlet to talk about and to do all the things that I need to do. Yeah. And I think like you need, you need a schedule, you need structure. I think Mm -hmm. that one of the biggest things with depression is that you don't have structure. You isolate yourself from things. And even if you're doing those things while you're depressed, you're still isolating yourself a little bit. You're not doing it. You're walking through it. It's like you're you're going through the motions. motions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that with, (laughs) I think that with that, it's supposed to give you structure while also being able to have this outlet where like, even if something happens in dance, you can go and talk about it at your group therapy. You can process things that are going on in the present. And I think sometimes 
you get better faster because you're, you isolate yourself from like dance and all those things you're doing because you're not doing anything. And right. those are the things that usually would even stress you out, even though dance is like right. a thing that you use for an outlet. I'm sure there were stresses in there. Oh, absolutely. So I think that when you're not doing anything, it's like worse to go to therapy because for sure. you don't have a lot to talk about. You don't have a lot to talk about. And I think when, at least for me, like when I'm depressed, I feel like there's no schedule because it's all one. Like, I feel like it just never ends and there's no, like... Well, you're just trying to get through the day. Right. And it's not even, like, getting through the day. I think it's more of, like, there's no looking forward to something. It's, like, I wake up and I'm, like, what am I supposed to be excited about? And, like, that's how I felt for so long. It was, like, the only thing I had to look forward to was dance. So why would you take that away when, Mm -hmm. like, when I don't look forward to anything else? Right. And you probably didn't see it that way. He was, like, well, this is, like, too much. Right. They always see everything as too much. We're, like... My dad and stepmom, like, I first got recruited at Denver, and they were like, this can be too much. Don't do it. And oh, I was like, oh, so I should sure. pass them a G1 opportunity so that, like, I can be mentally healthy? Absolutely not. Well, and that's, I like, think, at least for me, for sure within the past year, is, like, challenging myself to those things because it honestly, like, pisses me off at this point for, like, my parents or anyone to be like, well, are you sure you want to do that? Like, that could be too much. It's like, no, like... I'm doing that like I want to do that Mm -hmm. because I want to prove to myself that I can because for so many years I was like oh you're right I probably shouldn't do that and I didn't do those things Mm -hmm. I think I also think that depression and a part of therapy is learning about boundaries um and you learn how to set that stuff and so I think that people sometimes don't trust you because you're depressed but I think if you are depressed and you're in a program you learn how to set those boundaries where it's like no, I, I genuinely want to do this. If right. I knew it was too much, I would set that boundary with myself. And you're oh, learning sure. that stuff. If you're get, if you're wanting to get better, that's how you would act. For sure. So I think you would want to set that boundary. Um, so you basically went to treatment and then you were like, okay, I'm still going to shit, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And then do, you went to college. Well, so right? I went to treatment in – I actually uh, went to treatment like two days after my birthday senior year. And I like okay. – that's one of like – my main slides in my talks is I post I have this picture behind me and it was like at, you know like when you run the square senior year and it's like homecoming mm-hmm. was my birthday my senior year so I was like I posted this picture of me smiling with all my friends on Instagram and like it was honestly like one of the best birthdays I ever had and that was Friday and then Sunday I went into treatment for suicidal ideation and mm-hmm. it was like I was acting like this and posting like this so why would anyone have any idea that anything was different yeah, so right. I went to treatment September October um, went back to school. Shit just got so much worse. And then I ended up going back to treatment a second time in December for eating and for depression, anxiety. Okay. So I was in treatment from December through like February, March. And then I went to college my freshman year. Okay. So how was the transition between like high school, college? Like, Honestly, it went, like, absurdly smoother than I ever thought it was going to. Uh Um, And I think a lot that helped was the fact that I was going to a place that I had visited my entire life and felt very homey to me. So I didn't feel like I was leaving home and going to some crazy new place that I'd never been. Right. So I felt very at home there and comfortable. And I think knowing that I was only two and a half hours and, like, could get on a bus if I needed to it's come like home was... It's the comfort. Was, it, and not even, like, like using it, but knowing that I could if I yes, needed if to you, was huge. if you needed to. It's oh, it was such huge. a, like, it's a cushion for it's, sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you went into treatment. What? So, uh, okay, I have a couple Go of ahead. questions. What's, like, for eating, mm-hmm. like... 
was it because I for me it was OCD yeah and I talk about that a lot mm-hmm. and it's easy to explain because I get it and right most people probably don't get it but when I explain it I'm like okay this is you know this right. is how it is like that's what my eating was about blah blah blah, blah. what was the because the eating disorder I don't really feel like people just have an eating disorder so oh, there are rare never, ca- there no. are rare cases but this is what I'm getting into like you had an eating disorder, what in your cause was obviously anxiety, but right. I want to hear more about that, like specifically what was yeah. it for you? Um, so my entire life I've always been like a very outgoing, very confident, never caring what people think about me, like my entire life, not in a bad way, but just like I knew who I was and never really cared. And then my sophomore year, um, I had, it was like a very specific event. I had a guy who... I was friends with and he said to me like to my face he was like you know like no one's ever gonna hook up with you like unless they're a chubby chaser right and he was (gasps) like people don't hook up with like people like us like I hope you know like we're in the same boat and I had never really like I knew that I was never like a stick like I just like wasn't like that but I had never really like thought about it like that and I like still hadn't had my first hookup and everyone else had and I was like oh so like this is why like this oh, is yeah, going you on yourself and oh 1000 percent. you like 100 percent believe right that. and I think there were so many other things that probably happened but like when I think about what was really at the root of it it was that specific conversation because I think about it all the time still and it was like five years ago mm-hmm. and like that person is so irrelevant that like it's stupid but I think it sh- it like, hit really deep right I think it just shows how significant it was in terms of my body image and I say it all the time that I feel like when it comes to my anxiety and my depression and OCD whatever I have like things that I've conquered when it comes to it and like things that I feel like I've grown leaps and bounds when it comes to talking about it I think body image is something in my mind that like I will never like conquer not that like any of those things are things you check off a list but I think body image specifically and eating are so intertwined in something that like I don't know I just don't think it's something that in my head is like ever gonna be like I love myself so much and I hope one day like god I hope one day that I could be like that but right it is such a difficult mountain to climb and it seems so far and I think so many people feel that way when it comes to I think you will get there and even talking to people like I have a lot of older friends like who Mm -hmm. are like 30 and 40 and they're always like oh when you get 30 you're gonna love yourself like right (laughs) because it's like you just kind of get over it like that's that's my guess because I'm 23 but I but my thing is like my I guess I've said this before and I mean, I don't talk about it a lot, but that was my hardest thing to get over. Mm-hmm. And I experienced it for the shortest amount of time. Right. It was the hardest thing for me to get over. It was my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still something that I really struggle with. Um, like, the patterns that I used to have and right. why I used to have them. It's something I struggle with. I Body image is what I struggle with. Sorry, not eating no, disorder, right, but yeah. body image is what I struggle with because the eating is something that you can control. And I was going to say this, when you conquer depression and anxiety it's such a relief because it is something that is constantly on your mind and you know when you can nip it in the butt Mm -hmm. and you're like yes I got it I finally am in a happy mood and I want to be with people you're always in your body in your physical body you're seeing your like I can literally look and be like those are my legs those are my feet like you're constantly looking at it so it's hard to get it off your mind whereas like 
you can avoid anxiety triggers. Right. This well, person that's... makes me anxious. This situation makes me anxious. You can't avoid right. being in your physical body, and that's why it's so difficult. Well, and that's exactly what I was just about to say, is that, like, I can identify exactly what triggers my anxiety and what triggers my depression and, like, make sure I either, A, avoid them or, B, prepare for them if I know they're yeah, going to happen. for sure. You're eating all the time. You have yes. to eat. You have to look in the mirror when you get dressed. You have to do those things. I don't have to do certain situations that make me anxious or right. that I know will make me feel You're told not to do them way. and you're not and you're not supposed to. Right. So I think that's why a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people feel that way about eating and body image in general. It's just It's really it's hard constant. because on one hand you have people who are like be 90 pounds and then on the other it's like it's okay to be any size and flaunt it on right. Instagram. Like there's a lot of mixed messages that I feel people get and not in a bad way. I'm for the body positivity movement. I'm for people who are 90 pounds healthily, like right. not with yes. any disorder. But I think there's such a – I think we live in this world in such extremities. You're either a Bernie fan or you're a raging Republican and everyone right. should beat you up. Oh, for sure, And yeah. it's like there's so there's always extremities. Mm -hmm. And especially with eating, it's so hard to be like, well, am I skinny or am I fat? Well, I might as well gain 50 pounds right. or lose 50 oh, pounds. 1, it's so hard to, like, just be okay with where you're right. at and who you are because – typically you're not going to fit in one box or the other right. because you might be skinny in this area. You might be strong in this mm -hmm. area. And it's like, you're never, you might not feel, we live in a lot of binaries right? and you might not feel like you belong in one. And when you're in an environment like Deerfield or like somewhere that pressures you to be in one binary and you're right. not, you're going to experience something. Right. And then somebody who tells you shit like that's going to scar you for life. Right. Whereas if you grow up in an environment that, people are constantly talking about your bodies or like okay with your bodies right. but where we came from it's not accepting if you're a pound overweight oh for sure you get looked at weird or like mm -hmm. there's comments that are like passive aggressively thrown around right um and i think you just are kind of used to it mm -hmm. like i didn't realize how used to it i was until like i started meeting other right. people well and that's like something i say now too we're like when I talk with my therapist, he'll like ask me like how I'm doing like eating wise or like body image wise, and like I literally don't even think about it being an issue because it's just like the norm. Yeah. Like I remember when I went to treatment <laughs> for eating, they were like, yeah. "So how many times do you body check per day?" And I was like, "How many times do I what?" And they're like, yes. I'm like, when you pass something, like, and you look at yourself, and I was like, so every you time count I pee, that? I was like, you count how many times, like, you look at yourself in a window or a mirror, like, when you pass it. I was like, that's not something, like, that's normal. That's not like that's a thing I you count. Do. That's like the breathing day. to you, right? Um, but the thing that you were saying, I remember about, getting asked that too. Oh, I was like, that's and the I was like, I guess twenty asked. times. Like, right. What do you mean, like all day? Um, <laughs> but that was what you were saying about the extremities is something that like is such like I'm the most black and white all or nothing person yeah. like and not even so much black and white I would say all or nothing is like my thing and I have binge eating disorders so mm -hmm. it's a mix of anorexia and overeating yeah so the cool thing though about right because cool I I know what yeah right um the cool thing about being in treatment for it was that there were people that I was in treatment with that were like 90 pounds and there were people that were like 400 pounds because you're it's such a scale this eating disorder yeah. that like it's how much you restrict versus how much you binge and right. everyone's like so different so we all were like different people but struggling with the same things and we all looked so different but had the same yeah struggles. and the one common thing is food is always on your mind no matter what. right mm. yeah so you were saying about treatment for eating yes disorders. so i when oh, i was in treatment for eating there was this guy who was like this he must have been like 45 or 50 year old guy and he was like 300 pounds and he was in my treatment program and because it was an adult treatment program so it was 18 and up and I was 18 so I couldn't be in the adolescent one 
And anytime someone would come in there and be like, I just had a horrible binge or I just missed like two meals or whatever it was, I remember all he said was, it's just data. He'd be like, you're collecting data. He'd be like, you can't piggyback and like kill yourself over these mistakes you're making. He goes, they're not mistakes. He's like, it's data. And what matters is how you use the data that you just found and move forward. And right. I think about it so all the cool. time of being like. It's such an interesting Right. And it was so, and like, that's something I think about. And the other thing, my dietitian was literally the coolest fucking person I'd ever met in my entire That's life. Awesome. And she used to, anytime I would like have a thought about food, good or bad, she'd be like, WTF. She'd be like, what's the function? And she'd be like, why do you want to do that? Like, what's the function of doing that? Mm-hmm. And I think it applies to like everything I do. I think about it all the time. It's like, I want to go cry in a corner or I want to isolate or I want to not do this thing I'm supposed to do. Well, what's the function of me doing that? And like, I could end up going through it and being like, that is actually something I should be doing. Like I should be taking the time to like not go to that party or not go to that thing because I need to take time to take care of myself. Or I might talk it through and be like, why am I wanting to be by myself? I should go do that thing. Yeah. But I don't even think, I think it's not even interesting why she says what the function it's asking and being aware of what your emotions are. Most people don't even know, like, I don't want to go to this thing. Why would I don't want to go there? Like, I just don't want to go, but I'm doing it. No, right. They don't even know. They exactly. just, people just do. They don't think. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of times people run into issues. It's people who have issues with self-awareness. They don't know their emotions or they right. don't, or they don't express their emotions. Oh, people, for sure. So it's like people think a lot and they don't, because they, that's all I know though. Like right. most people don't know how to communicate or say these things or like open up about them. And I think just being aware of like, why do I want to do this? Right. Oh, okay, that's really dumb. I'm not going to do it. Well, and that's the whole thing. Like, that's why my talk is called It's Okay to Not Be Okay because my entire life, the only emotion I ever knew was happy. And, like, even now, like, the emotion sadness pisses me off. Like, I literally can't describe it. But, mm-hmm. like, when I get sad, I get, like, angry. I'm like, why do I feel... It's like I'm, like, a heterosexual, like, man who, like, has to be strong. It's <laughs> like, why am I sad? Like, I shouldn't be right. sad. This is so stupid. And it's like, no, like be sad because all those times that you pretend that you're not sad and you put in a box one day they're all going to fly out and every single one of those times that you weren't sad right. that you should have been are all going to happen at once and you're going to wish that you were sad all those other times right. and actually dealt with it and felt and it and processed it right. that's the biggest thing is like I think for me and I don't know if like this is similar to you somebody especially who tries to hide things like when I was in I, I'm really good about being open now but um, I think before then before like a couple of years I was um, really good at hiding a lot of like I would say what happened but I would never say how I felt right oh totally. so it was like oh my parents are divorced oh my my dad's trying to fuck over my mom my brother does heroin but it's never me it's never right. like I'm sad I'm angry I'm hurt you're I stating never... the facts you're not talking about the okay now what Right, but but it's like that I wanted to be known for that because I wanted to avoid how I felt. Right, oh, and I wanted sure. it to be an excuse as to why I was acting a certain way, as to like oh, being yeah. like I'm sad. It's like, oh no, she's sad because she fucking lashed out. Right. So, or she hates authority, and it makes sense she hates authority because she wants to rebel because she doesn't want right. to deal with her issues. And I know that looking back, I know what my high school self was. I know right. all the teachers that fucking hated me. Like I, I understand, but I think you need to know yourself like you need to ask yourself like what the fuck am I doing right all the time you need to be like why am I doing this and it's also really important to know why you're doing things because you're you might be addressing those issues from back then why you wouldn't have allowed to actress like allowed yourself to act sad I 
almost pretend to act sad. I go, Drew, cry, Drew, cry. Sometimes right. I'm like, just fucking do it. And I can't sometimes because I like have blocked myself off for so long mm-hmm. of doing that that now I just cry at random times. I cry at little stuff that right. doesn't matter because I don't allow myself to cry about big stuff. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Like I'll cry because uh, I'm upset that my dog like peed in the house. I'm like, fuck this. I want to return my dog. I hate this fucking bullshit. But my cousin died a couple days ago and I started crying and then I was like, oh no, it's fine. Right. Like, and obviously I fucking cried later, but I'm saying, I'm not a monster, but like, I literally am like, I know how to deal with that shit, but I can't deal with my dog peeing on the Well, and it's like, crying about the little things justifies the fact that you aren't sad when it matters. Like, but I am sad sometimes. Like, I swear I actually do feel that emotion. So you can't be like, I don't feel sadness. Like, I swear I actually feel it. It's like, but you feel it when maybe like, you don't want to feel it fully. Like that's like, I always say all the time, like I'm a huge stuffer. So it's like, whenever I feel those emotions, I stuff them. And then it gets to the point where like, you've stuffed them so many times that they come out at those little moments because you're not actually sad about the dog. You're really actually sad about your cousin but this thing with your dog is triggering you to be like, oh, I should be sad. And like, these are the reasons I'm actually sad. Oh, yeah. I totally had like a teenager moment the other day where I was just lashing out being like, I hate my dog and I, I love him. But like, right. it's just oh, it's yeah. hard to train a puppy. And I'm like, I hate my dog. But I was like, really just fucking sad. My cousin died. Right. Like it's but I didn't want to say that because I don't want to appear weak. Right. Even though it's oh. fucking weak to cry about a puppy. Like, you no, know, what but I mean? it's it's funny. Like, it's so different. We're like. It's funny to be upset, like, about your dog, like, crying. You're like, right. I'm so sad about it. And people, like, laugh and think it's hilarious versus, like, for me, I hate the attention, like, when I'm upset. Yes. Like, yes. I would rather tell you the next day, be like, hey, I was so upset last yes, night. Like, can I we talk about it? Rather than being like, I'm so upset right now. Like, can we please talk while I'm upset? Like, fuck no. Let's talk about it afterwards when I'm, like, when normal. When I'm composed. And, right, And exactly. I can pretend like I was never Right, sad. and I could, like, laugh. At, like, whenever I, like, text, like, my best friend after and be like, hey, like, can we talk? Like, I just had this, like panic attack or whatever I'll be like lol like literally after right, everything because right. I'm like now I'm like laughing but also about it's it. like a people pleasing thing with your oh for people sure pleasing with mental health where you don't want to feel like they're burdened with your emotions well, kind of thing I, um and I, I I just I think when you are constantly told that like people pleasing not people pleasing but that it's not okay to talk about it mm-hmm. that makes it okay to not be sad right well and I have this thing where my therapist and I have talked about it a lot where it's like very transactional for me. We're like, even like my closest friends that would do like literally anything in the world for me. Like if they haven't talked to me about something going on in their life that day, I feel like I can't. Or like if I've talked yes, to them too much about what's going on, I can't keep talking to them about it because it's like, well, you need to like, I need to help you now because like I, you've been helping me too much. And it's very transactional of being like, I can't keep putting my shit on you if like you don't put some on me. Right, and I think it's super, like, I used to do stuff where I was, like, I don't want to talk about it because, I did this in high school, I'm, like, I don't want to talk about it because, like, you have shit going on, and they're, like, right. no, like, you're, like, I remember even big things would happen. My brother would overdose on heroin, and I'd, like, go to my friend and be, like, I'm fucking sad, but, like, your family's fucked up, right? Like, let's talk about your family. Right. And, like, I totally, like, deflect. Um. But now I'm getting, I think as you get older, you get a lot better about being selfish in that sense where you kind of just go like, what the fuck? Like, I know my friends want to be there for me. I would be there for my friend. Um, It's hard, especially because you, you, you don't feel like you're burdening them with your emotions. You feel like you're burdening them with your depression. Right. Because you also probably feel labeled as that a little bit, especially if you're trying to avoid that. Oh, for sure. So I think 
you probably are avoiding um, the, I, I don't know if it's the label or the emotions, but I think that you're avoiding some part of yourself that you don't want to show to the world or show to any, or show to yourself. For sure. Cause I don't think you want to feel completely exposed. I think it's easy to label yourself as anxious versus like, this is what anxiety looks like. Do you want to see me having panic attack? Cause that's right. bad. Oh, for sure. And it's, I think it's so much easier to tell someone, be like, yeah, this is what happens. Like when I have a panic attack, like this is going on versus like Seeing calling it? my friend when I'm like literally hyperventilating and like can't breathe being like, this is what's going on. Like, right. I, I know. And it. it's crazy. Cause like there's certain things where you can, t I mean, literally the other night, this doesn't have to do with mental health, but just like the thing where it's like, hearing it versus seeing it mm -hmm. I have some weird like food intolerance I think to chicken and I like went to the toilet and I this has happened like multiple times like but not not frequently enough but I'd say like a couple maybe like four or five times a year where I get on the toilet and then I break out in cold sweats I feel like I'm gonna throw up and go diarrhea at the same time mm -hmm. and I That's get so fun I get it is horrendous, dude. And I get pale. And, you know, I'm, like, yelling in the bathroom. And my roommate and my boyfriend were, like, trying to hang a TV. And they were, like, saying something. And I was, like, I, I couldn't talk. Like, I literally, right. I couldn't. I was, I felt like I was dying. And I come out. And they were, like, I've, they're, like, you, I've never seen you so pale. I've right. never seen you look so pale. And, like, I've never seen, I, so I'm, I was, like, yellow. Mm -hmm. And from, like, my blood pressure dropping. And, like, I think it, like seeing people's faces that my roommate was just like like I've never seen somebody look at me like that right. and wouldn't stop staring at me right and I was like oh okay so like the reality of things when you hear right. about them are way different than when you see them like hearing about my brother's overdose versus watching him I've seen him Jones like right. people don't know what that is. it's like withdrawals from heroin like I've seen him like be like, I need, I need money, I need money. Right. Itching himself, seeing the scabs, seeing the track marks. Like, I've seen some shit. It's very different seeing it versus hearing about it. I was it and freaked out. I was because freaked out. Because I think out. when you, when we talk about it, people create their own picture of what it is. Right. So they don't actually see what's going on. Exactly. But it's like, okay, I'm telling my best friend that I was having a panic attack last night. She wasn't there. She doesn't know what I looked like in my car. She doesn't know like what was going on. And I she think, has her own picture of it. I think which when is you're so friends with somebody, you also want to avoid what it looks like because you don't want to see someone hurt or oh, struggling. Oh, for sure. Well, and yeah. I say it all the time. Like I have so many people in my life that I consider like some of my closest people that like know everything about me in and out. But I have maybe three people in my life that have ever seen me actually like cry like that, and none of them are in my family. So it's like yeah. sometimes I was talking about this the other day with someone who reached out to me and it's like I think a lot of the times the people you're closest with, it's the hardest people to talk to about it. We're like I would so much rather like the other day I posted for World Suicide Prevention Day, I posted on my Instagram and I posted about how I just had like a shit day. Like I literally was like I laid in bed all day today. Like I just had like the worst day ever. It was super triggering and I didn't want to do anything. And I posted like fully like a 40 second video on Instagram in my bed talking about it. But the entire day wouldn't even just go tell my mom be like, mom, I'm having a shitty day. Like she just knew I was in my room and like but I didn't want to talk to her about it because for me it's so much harder to like talk to her or talk to my dad or whoever and tell them that I'm feeling that way versus sharing it with however many other people that are out there, which is a very weird thing. Yeah. But I think a lot yeah. of people tend to feel that way because it's no, yeah. not as 
straightforward and like no upfront. it's you also don't want to disappoint them yeah, i think oh, that sure. i think that not that you're going to but i think that you have an image and an idea in your head that you have to be strong and if you're not there for your weekend a disappointment so mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not saying you are but no but i totally get what you're saying i'm like get out of here right. go disappoint your parents but i think you have this idea and then you talk to them and they're like, are you fucking crazy? Like, I wish I knew you were struggling or I wish I knew this right. or I wish I knew that. My mom's like, I had no fucking idea. I knew that you were struggling, but not that I ever, I never right. had any idea it was this bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember her not seeing me for a while and she's just like, oh my God, you look so skinny. Like, what happened? And I was like, again, so you because of college. Right. And I was like, oh, so like, I scare people now. Right. Well, and that was the thing with my, my dad always said that he's like, you only come to us whenever it's death con too. He's like, yes. you never come to me in like the before. before. He's like, come to me when you're like a little bit anxious. So then we don't have to get to death con too. And like, for me, right. it's always, I That's think, my parents, right. My parents I think I've thing. definitely gotten like so much better at talking about it. And I think one thing that really helped me was like, not even like having to talk to people about it when I'm upset, but more so being like, I'm upset right now like I don't really want to talk about it but I'm just letting you know that I'm upset and when I'm ready to talk about it then I'll talk about it with you oh my god yes they teach you that in therapy and I've done that with my mom before so my mom worries I'm like mom like I'm gonna be fine I'm just like right like it sucks right now exactly and it's like I I feel like if someone came up to me and like we're like for instance like if my boyfriend texts me he's like I can tell you're having a day like what's going on I'm like I'm not having a really bad day, like being totally honest with you, but I don't really want to talk about it right now. And he'll be like, okay, that's fine. Like we can talk about it whenever you're ready. And it's like not having to talk about it when I don't want to, but knowing that like when I am ready, I can. And at the same time being honest and being like, not just saying like, oh, my day was fine actually. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Being like, yes, you're right. My day sucked. And I'll talk to you about it when I'm ready to talk about it. Cause I don't want to right now. Yeah. And I also think even too, in having those relationships, it's so important to just Sometimes when I even say yeah, I'm having a shitty day and I don't want to talk about it, I like instantly feel better. Right. Because I just like was like, ah. Well, and someone knows that you have a yes. shit day now. You're not like, there's no more pretending. You don't have to pretend like you had a good day. Like you could just act like you had a shit day. Because yeah. people know now. Exactly. I think, uh, I mean, I have a lot of anxiety about what people think. And I think. I've actually never experienced that. I <laughs> never actually. <laughs> Foreign concept. Can you define right. that for what me, please? That? Uh, can, can you Caring put, the, what other put that word think? in a second sentence? Right. Um, yeah, I think my first impressions obviously matter. But like, I think about this like literally almost every day and it'll obviously go away. But like, I just moved into this new building and I remember like moving in and like fighting with my mom kind of loudly. And like, he obviously saw it and he was like the manager <laughs> of the building. And I was like, fuck this. And now every time I see him, I'm like, God, I have to be a normal person. Show him right. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And he's probably like, oh, she's moving and having a shitty day. Right. Like, he, he's probably the like. The reality is that it. he doesn't actually think about it. He also doesn't it. give a fuck. Right. He's literally a maintenance man. Right. He's dope. But, like, I'm just saying, not to no, diminish maintenance men community. <laughs> we love them. They're amazing. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> just saying, like, he's a maintenance man. He probably, like, wants to, like, fucking end his day and go home. Right. So, well, yeah. And, and now every day I think about it. And then I had a, he was in my bathroom and I had a, fucking meeting with my psychiatrist mm-hmm. and he was in my bathroom and I was like the meds are great right. for my body like I now was completely he like knows what meds it. you're on and exactly and then I was like talking about and was, of course like I was late to it and I completely forgot so then I, I was like fuck I can't be late and then I go on and he's in my bathroom and I'm like just to, and I'm, I have narcolepsy so I'm like just talk about the narcolepsy meds make it seem right. like it's not your problem like uh-huh. literally make it seem like you're not crazy right because it's like narcolepsy is not in my control right. like, and depression totally is right. right so I was just like I'm not falling asleep a lot. I don't, I'm, narcolepsy's right. great. And I just literally was just trying and I was like, I think I need to be on a mood, get off, stay on my mood stabilizer. I'm 
Right. I'm fine, John. I'm fine. I'm I fine. swear. Yeah, and it's just like so embarrassing. It's probably like this girl is crazy, and but, but I he's think so it's nice. so true like, though. The reality of like people not actually thinking about it. Where I was talking, one of my best friends is a freshman in college this year, and she was talking to me, and she was like. I literally meet people and like the second I meet them like I'm like having so much fun and I meet them and I walk away and I'm like what the fuck did I just say like what's going on like why did I say that what did they think and I was like I remember getting to college and experiencing social anxiety for the first time like ever in my entire life I was like in high school it was like everyone knows everyone like you have a rep there and it's like you go to college and you're starting over so it's like it's not like you you are right and it's like Every single person I remember meeting and every experience I had, I was like, was I too outgoing? Did I talk too much? Or like, did I not talk enough? Like, what did they right. think about me? Were right. Because they, they don't me? know your like, intentions because they don't know you. They've never heard about right. you. There's it's like, so you're just different. a blank canvas. Right. So, yeah, it's very different. I remember that too. And I also remember, um, you could probably relate to this, but I remember there was this girl, um, she literally was just talking yesterday, Maddie, who's an amazing comedian. And she has this like, at one of the comedy clubs they like posted a picture of her on the wall mm-hmm. and she was like she looked like it was like not a good picture of her or whatever and so maddie <laughs> was like i look so bad and i said something like yeah it's like not the best picture of you like something like a little like sassy or whatever right. but like she totally knew it was like a shit picture of her and right. she's like why the fuck did they put-? and i was like saying it to agree with her like right. pick a different photo mm-hmm. like not as in like yeah you're ugly like right, she's exactly. fucking great but i i saw it or whatever and then i texted her and i was like dude i'm so sorry i said that right. about you and she's like i didn't even remember you saying that right like, what exactly. are you ta- like and i was like oh so i think about this way more than she's thinking about it oh i have that all the time yeah. i have like obviously i'm a perfectionist like i'm a huge perfectionist but in terms of like not like li- like obviously little things but when in terms yeah. of just like life where like over the summer like at my job I had this like situation where like this kid I was like one of the other counselors I was talking to and he said the word beer and it was around other campers we weren't even having a conversation about it but he said the word and one of like the people above us heard and was like wow Haley you really should know better than to be having a conversation about that like I would expect better from you blah 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 and I was freaking out about it like all day long and like literally all summer long was like oh my god everyone thinks that I like have conversations about beer in front of campers like, I'm an oh alcoholic my god. literally everyone's gonna think about it and then I remember the campers are gonna tell me I need treatment oh literally <laughs> and I remember like at the end of the summer like literally like eight weeks later I like said something because I was still thinking about it I said something to one of my friends and he was like I literally remember hearing about that and being like that definitely didn't happen and then never thinking about it ever again in my life. And I had been thinking about it literally every day So the day guy who said that to you? No, a different person. But oh, he was okay. like, because camp is like high school and everyone talks right. about everything. I've been but to, he was yeah, like, camp, right. Yeah. He was like, I remember hearing about that and being like, oh, that definitely isn't the story that actually happened. And then yeah. never being like, oh, that actually happened. <laughs> but it's the fact that like I in my head was like, oh, everyone's talking about it and it's a huge deal also have you ever felt tension with someone that's not there oh like i (laughs) i remember like i felt i felt like with camp i would like meet people and like do the thing where i'm like am i too talkative or am i too this and i'd like say something weird or something that i thought was weird right right like the thing that you did or whatever the beer and i would think about that all the time so then the next person the time that person would come up I'd be like oh they're thinking about it right so I <laughs> actually weird. don't give a fuck and like, then I'd like mention it and then they'd be like look at me like my head would like and sometimes right. like maybe they like are tr- they don't want to like be like oh yeah that was weird right because like who would but like they looked at me like my head was cut off being like wait what what are you right they, like like genuinely confused well, of like what I'm just, nervous about right I think that just applies to like 
literally every aspect of yeah. mental health and just like life in general of like always thinking that people are caring and like thinking about it when in reality like how many times do you actually like look at someone and think the things that you think other people are thinking about you like, yeah never like I never like meet someone and like automatically look at them and see like if I think that they're fat or like skinny and I think that every time I meet someone that's all that they're thinking Right. I have never once done that in my entire life. So right. why would I think exactly. that other people would do that? Exactly. Also, I think, too, like, if you, if you go back in your mind and you think of all the thoughts that you've even had just today, for example, mm-hmm. um, they're all about you. Right. They're not about other people. So if you're constantly thinking about yourself, what the fuck are other people thinking about I'm themselves? sure, right. So they're not – I would never walk out of – you would never walk out of my house and I'd be like – what is Haley thinking about? Me? Like I would, right. I would reminisce about that, but you're not fucking thinking about me. Exactly. You're thinking about what I'm thinking of you. So it's like, it's why like are you? It's like they know that we know that they right. know. It's exactly. Like, right. And you like assume that there's like tension or whatever, and it's just like, I don't know. Maybe I've been like too high around sober people, where <laughs> sometimes I'm just kind of like paranoid Uh and thinking like of what other people are thinking and then I get sober sometimes and I'm like oh like you're just watching TV or some shit oh for sure well and I think it all just goes back to like everyone has their own shit and like I say all the time like everyone has their shit there's not a single person like whether your shit is like this big and my shit's that big like everyone has stuff going on in their life that's hard and that they're struggling with and I think the reality is that like I'm not gonna spend my days like thinking about someone else's like I'm thinking about mine and right. the person next to me is thinking about theirs and like that's just how the world works but I think when you're so far in it and so much of your anxiety yeah. comes from like what other people think you make up these thoughts that all these people are thinking about you even though you know like I know for a fact no one is and at the same time I'm still going to think that they are right and even well a thousand percent I agree with that and I, I think it even um Sometimes I'd get texts from people that I hadn't talked to in, like, years. And I assumed of what they thought of me because I didn't know them that well. Like, people mm-hmm. from high school that I'm now friends with. And I wasn't right. friends with them in high school. And they text me being like, hey, I heard you do comedy. I want to come to some of your shows. And I'm like, I thought that person, like, thought I was weird or whatever. Right. And then they, like, try to be friends with me or try to act cool around me. And I'm like, oh, so, like, this whole time I thought you thought I was weird. You thought I was, like, cool or whatever. Like, right. Like, weird shit that, like... Your insecurities project to other people. Like, do you ever go around and you're with your best friends and like talk about your first impressions of each other? No. Okay, oh my God, so that's like, hilarious. no, so like we do that sometimes too. We're like, we're completely honest because it's like we're best friends. We're like made it too right. far to like go back. So I'm kind of just like, oh yeah, I thought you were super quiet and like a little like into yourself, but then I like became friends. Like, right. you just kind of like tell each other. And I remember hearing some of my friends like tell me about me, and I was just like, Oh, so that's actually how I am. That's how right. I know I am. But mm-hmm. my anxiety tells me differently. Like, the, when they say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of do know people think that about me. Right. I do know people think that I'm funny or whatever, cool, right. whatever. But I don't. But my anxiety, anxiety tells, you that. tells me yes. I'm a piece of shit and right. I talk too much yes. and I'm annoying and I'm, like, fat and short and, like, all these I things totally that I get that. Yes. have anxiety mm-hmm. about that become a reality. And then I treat those people differently because I want to like I guess skirt Fix. around the fact of what they're thinking yes. so if they yes. think I'm this way I'm gonna go this way for sure even though like you're, you're just not being yourself because you're mm-hmm. just kind of like puzzle piecing totally. together what you want them to think of you no I totally yeah agree with that. <laughs> um do you 
so now, I mean, you've obviously gone through the whole college thing and then you transferred. Yes. Um, I mean, you don't have to get into that because we're probably going to wrap it up in like five, ten minutes. But I just wanted to ask you, like, tell the speech story, like how you got involved in mental health. Yes. Because um, you've talked about your anxiety and like how you went to treatment for eating. How did you get into like versus like I want to talk about it and then help people who have this yeah like a broad way um so I think a lot first of all a lot of it stems just from the fact that like when I'm upset helping people is what makes me feel better Mm -hmm. and I think when I'm anxious or depressed literally all I do is think well if this person came to me and said the things that I'm saying what would I tell them to do and that's literally how I talk myself out of it because when you're in it yourself you can't so a lot of it stems from that but uh, like logistically and what actually happened um, I went to college my freshman year and I came home for Thanksgiving and I really just wanted to like do something in mental health my senior year I had done a talk or not a talk a dance in my dance company show to 1-800-BIOLOGIC which is the suicide prevention hotline number mm-hmm. and it was the first time that people had like reached out and like said that they had dealt with similar things, and it was the first time that I had opened up about things that happened to me senior year. Um, So after that, I knew I wanted to talk about it more because I realized how common of an issue it was, not just in Deerfield, but in the entire fucking world. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came home Thanksgiving, and I met with my social worker from school, and I said, like, listen, I want to help out in the high school somehow. Like, I don't know what I would do, but, like, here are some of the ideas and, like, people I've talked to and, like, things I want to do. And every year they do for the juniors a suicide prevention talk and it's a stupid video that no one pays attention to and your teacher yeah. leads like a scripted conversation. It's literally like hissing from the it 1920s. Is, it's like shh, it like is that black so and white. bad. It's on cassette. And it's like no or like one a pays VCR. attention. Right. And the teachers are uncomfortable doing it because they aren't properly trained to talk about it. Kids don't talk because the reality is they're all dealing with it, but they're all afraid to talk about it because no one talks about it. I remember watching it in like a music class. It was. And I was like, why are It we was like- horrible. But so they did that for the juniors and seniors, and <laughs> I had my meeting. And also, just quick side note people kill themselves when they're younger than junior and seniors like oh yeah like suicide can start at 13 well and that's the whole point why they give the suicide prevention talk that year is because like people are going off to college and it's like the middle of high school and like whatever yeah but i'm just saying like it's just the whole thing's dumb yes so i after the meeting i had with my social worker she was like we actually this year want to put all of the juniors and seniors in the auditorium and just have you talk to them and i was like oh do you want me to talk about like the signs of like depression she's like no I literally just want you to talk about your story and like what happened to you and like you were a kid that sat in the auditorium next to them a year ago and this is like what happened and no one knew so I did that for the first time and I spoke and then it kind of just snowballed from there and I posted the video of that talk on Facebook and it kind of I hate saying went viral because that makes me sound like famous and that's no, just like but so it, not but even it did like in a good thing. way it's important right. for mental health it went it spiral it went viral in the sense of like it snowballed to so many people where like people were sharing it that I had no mutual friends with on Facebook which mm-hmm. was like when I started to realize that like people were seeing it because they related to it not because they knew me like people right. weren't just they weren't supporting you they were, they were like friends. I support this this right whole movement. exactly um so my talk is called it's okay to not be okay and i started i have like a little that. pin that says that it's my favorite saying like yeah. ever. um and so yeah it kind of just snowballed and then i would do i did that talk and then someone 
got my name from like Glenbrook North High School and then he had me speak at that high school and then I spoke at their new teacher conference and then I spoke at a parent night because one of the teachers was like I think parents should hear it or of course. I spoke right I've just literally I've spoken of course, anybody right there were so many cool experiences because I don't always speak to the same demographic so like I've spoken to just students I've spoken to just parents I've spoken to like only teachers and I've spoken at events that are like all kinds of people like together where it's like kids okay. and their parents and whoever else might be there what's the difference between presenting to parents teachers like and kid like tell me the difference between a couple I think of them. I just I do the same skeleton so I have note cards that I bring to all of my talks and I literally don't look at them like I, it's just like a security blanket thing that like do you talk things, about it in your speech oh yeah like I'll like be like I hold these note cards up here just because like I'm anxious and like I think that I'm gonna look at them and I never actually look at them throughout my talk because I've done it so many times it's also kind of an icebreaker like, and it's funny and right. it's literally like an, it's yeah it's a, the definition right. of irony but like the note cards are like the skeleton of my talk and they're like the pinpoints that I always talk about but I think the things I emphasize and the way I talk about certain things depends on who I'm talking to. So like of course. when I spoke at the new teacher conference, I talked to like a lot more in depth about like the way like my teachers handled it and the way like my parents handled it. Mm. Like when I was at home and like how that impacted me being at school and things like that oh, versus when really I'm talking with parents, I talked a lot about like the way my parents handled it and like things that like would have helped me if like they had done X, Y, and Z versus kids. I'm like, this is what happened. And like, if you or your friend is going through this, like this is what you could do about mm -hmm. it. Cause that's honestly a lot of the number one question I get. And I think half of the time it's really about them. The kids will always ask me, they'll be like, my friend is going through this. Like, what can I do? And like, how can I help them? And that's like a huge question I always get asked because they okay. might not personally deal with it, which mm -hmm. is like totally normal if you don't struggle with it, but you 1000% have a friend that does. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, how do you help that person? I say it all the time. I had friends that would be like, can I please come over? Like, I know you're upset, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, no, don't fucking come over. I literally don't want to hang out with you. And they would come over and sit on my couch, and I wouldn't talk to them the entire time. But they would sit there for, like, hours and just, like, watch TV with me. And then they would leave, and I would text them and be like, I know I was being a bitch. Like, I'm so sorry. But, like, I really appreciate you coming over, and, like, it means a lot. Right. I mean, yeah. That's I had that similar situation where, like, the other day – my friend came over and like she like has had oh carolyn sorry mm -hmm. i can say her name carolyn was over um who's on the podcast a couple of weeks ago um she came over the other day and i was like kind of a complete bitch like not to her but just like i was in a shitty mood because right. my cousin passed away and um i texted her i was like hey i'm so so sorry and she's like are you kidding me like i like don't apologize and i was right. like no like I, I even texted her like five hours later being like hey i'm sorry again right for being a bitch because i no, I was. I know I wasn't to you, but my aura wasn't right. cool. Well, like, it think, was just shitty, you right. know? But I think that's the cool thing about, like, having people that are so close to you is that, like, her response was, like, oh, my God, why are you apologizing? Like, you're so fucking stupid. Like, that's so normal. And, it's like, understandable. It's, right. I think it's so different. Like, my friends would never be, like, they would never be, like, oh, my God, like, yeah, you were kind of rude, but, like, it's totally fine. They'd be, like, don't fucking apologize. Like, why are you literally saying you're sorry? Like, that's totally normal and like I get that because we're that close and I want to be there for I you. I want to be there when you're like right, that exactly. because then it just makes it, it it makes you do have a stronger bond with people when you're like that. Oh, for sure. Um I think there's certain things that you can feel when you're talking to somebody and you get through something hard that there's a complete dynamic shift. Where when you're talking to them and you're like, "Oh, our relationship's different because I like told oh, you this sure. or I exposed this or I'm vulnerable about this." Um or certain things I open up to people about, um, for sure. I think I have a hard time 
digging deep. Mm-hmm. I think people call me an open book, but it's not like open, open. It's like cracked. Right. Yeah. It's kind of just you like, aren't like annotating the pages, but you're like reading right. it. Ex- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's like I I'm you know, I expose stuff. I would be able to tell my story, but I'm never going to go into like the hurt that I felt because right. I don't feel sadness. I don't feel hurt. Right. I'm just I've just been in fucked up situations. Exactly. I'm, not, I'm saying this sarcastically. I'm saying like I've yes. just been in like fucked up situations, but I'm a robot. I don't feel things. Right, you know what of I'm course, saying? And yes. that's like that's like I think a lot of people with anxiety we hide everything. Oh, for sure. And like it's the oh, it's like the whole entire thing of this episode when you said that I completely relate to is when you were like, um, you like tell people after the fact that right. like, you were upset. And that's what I do too. We're like it, like my roommate and my best friends with will be like, Oh, I I knew like something was going on. I just like you didn't tell me and I was right. like well I just wanted to tell you like I just felt shitty the whole day well I do that all the time we're like I purposely like won't snapchat my boyfriend all day long when I know I'm having a shit day because I know if I actually he sees me he's gonna be like what's going on and like so I'll just that. I'd rather just like tell him afterwards and be like yeah that's why I wasn't snapchatting you all day because yes. like I knew I was having a shit day yeah but now we can talk about it because I'm not actually in it so it's fine right 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 Yes, I know, because you don't want to expose yourself. It's hard. I mean, it's not easy. I'm never going to – mental health, talking about it, I think you talking about it, me talking about it all the time, it's kind of normal to us. Um, but I think I think the really hard part is being vulnerable. For I think sure. I think that saying you have something is almost like, oh, I have this, I have this. But being in it is so it's different. It's so different. Well, and that's something, like, people, a lot of people always ask me, they're like, great, like, we're having these conversations, but, like, how do we actually make change? They're like, I don't see, like, change actually happening, and I say it all the time, I'm like, if 20 years ago someone walked into a room of 100 people and was like, I'm gay, people would be like, oh, my fucking God, like, I'm fucking leaving, like, this is so weird. Versus, like, now if someone walked into a room and they're like, I'm gay, everyone would be like, oh, my God, that's so dope, like, me too, or, oh, I'm bi, or, oh, my brother's this, like, and everyone would be so excited. Exactly. Which is the same thing, I think, if someone walked into a room or I walked into a room and I was like, hey, guys, like, I'm bipolar, people would be like, oh, my God, that's so weird that she just said that, like, why would she share that? Versus hopefully in, like, 20 years I could say that and someone would be like, oh, my God, like, my brother's bipolar, like, oh, my God, like, my sister has, like, crippling anxiety. Okay. So, wait. Oh, my no, God. No, bipolar is... 2. I don't know why I said yes. Okay. So, you have bipolar 2. That's <laughs> yeah. what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay, wait. This is the end of the podcast. Dude, why Go the ahead. fuck did you just say that? Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was like, wait. Cut something else out and just put this no, in. No, no, no. I'm just going to I'm gonna do how much time have you done. I'm bipolar just from, like, the I'm last so segment. <laughs> no, you're so funny. Okay. Part 2. No, I'm just saying it in a way where I'm just like, there's so much to unpack, but we're, like, wrapping up. Okay. Do... Okay, well, something about bipolar. How did you know you had it? Sparknote edition. Yes, Sparknote. <laughs> um, my freshman year of college, I I mean, okay, I'm a huge night owl. Like, my favorite time of the day is from, like, 1 to 5 a.m. Oh, my God, so we can hang out after like, this. <laughs> literally, I'm not kidding. It's, like, my favorite time same. of the day is 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Um, but in college. Not same. I meant, like, till I, I stay up late. Yes. Very late. Um, but I think in college, I got into these extremes of my emotions. Like a little mania. Right. Well, it wasn't even like, because I never thought of it as mania, but then like my psychiatrist, when I was, she was asking me questions like for like baseline questions to like diagnose me. She was like, well, have you ever like stayed up for like more than like one day or like two days at a time? And I like have vivid memories of being like 13, 14 years old and like rearranging my like full room and like moving furniture at like 3 a.m. 
and oh, like so you... literally doing it forever but it was like I was always a night owl and I was like that's just like normal for me and like I'm just super creative and like like mm. being up late at night and whatever but and you're friend, like I have bipolar right and then, and then my freshman <laughs> I'm year, not I was creative like, I'm I was a like, statistic well, now, I was like now I'm doing that like every once in a while but then I'm laying in bed for like three days straight and mm. not getting it's up. the flux so, right it's not that's it's not always makes... night owl it's like I'm a night owl when I'm manic exactly. like or when I'm in an upstate whatever Correct. um so I think that was the first time I really like was when I saw the depressive episodes paired with them because I had had depressive right. episodes before and I had been like quote unquote manic before in my life. Yeah, really. Like, but that's seeing, just different. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was like, those are like things that just happened. But seeing them like back to back and the relationship and the like the way they affected one another like mm. interchangeably was what made me realize that. Okay. It might be something was there different. like a wake up call, or you just kind of like you looked at the patterns because you got no, asked remember, by your psychiatrist? No, I literally remember sitting. I used to freshman year. I used to like live in the side room of my gym in my dorm because it was like the only place that no one went. So mm. I would call my therapist from there, and I oh remember sitting in there and I was talking to him, and I was like, "Yeah, I feel like I'm like fucking bipolar," and I like joked about it. And I literally was like laughing, and he was like, "Well, have you ever thought about getting tested?" And I was like, "What?" I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, you're like, wait, I thought this was, like, right. funny. Right, I thought it was, like, I'm funny. locked in a door right now. <laughs> right, I literally thought it was, like, a joke. And he was like, why don't you, like, actually get tested? So then I did, and then she was like, yeah. Um, but it. it made sense why my anxiety meds weren't working and my antidepressants, because she's Isn't like... Isn't that great? If people who are bipolar... Like, to realize like, that stuff. Right, because she was like, if you're bipolar and I'm giving you antidepressants, it's just going to make your highs and lows even that much more extreme. Right, because you're not, you're not medicated properly. And right. that's why, like, that's why, like... Sometimes getting a diagnosis makes so. So you got diagnosed freshman year of college with Did, bipolar, yeah. That that probably made so much sense because when I got diagnosed with narcolepsy, I was like, oh, uh, like you're like that makes. Sense. It just like <laughs> makes so much sense because like I don't have cataplexy where I'm like talking to you and falling asleep, but like last night I was on the phone with my mom and I started falling right, asleep. Yeah. So like I get certain things where, but I'm like I was like winding down at the mm-hmm. end of the night. It's not during the day, but like, I was like, oh, I don't have social anxiety. I just canceled plans because. I would cancel plans to take naps a right. lot in high school and and in college I would sleep so much. Right. Even I, if I wasn't depressed. And um, I got diagnosed and I was like, oh my God, I don't have social, like I made myself think I had social right. anxiety. I was like, oh, I'm canceling plans and taking a nap because I'm depressed because I'm anxious about being social and I'm like, no, I fuck, I'm a narc. Like right. I literally have <laughs> narcolepsy. Like I have a problem and I need meds and now I'm on meds and I'm like wait this is how life's supposed to be well and I think like when you have like like I've had anxiety for so long and like been talking about it for so long like you to a certain degree think you know yourself so well that you're like oh like I don't have those I things could because never you're have like, this right you're like I know myself well enough that like this is what I have this is my mental health profile and there's nothing to be added because yeah. I've just know myself but now I literally can eliminate everything I literally right. feel like I just have OCD and narcolepsy like I but I <laughs> but I literally my list before that was like ADHD OCD anxiety right. mm-hmm. disorder depression fucking irritable bowel syndrome all this bullshit right. that came from ocd because my anxiety stemmed from ocd my depression exactly from OCD. i think my everyone disorder. has a yeah. main thing right that so yours it's is, like a tree yours is probably anxiety bipolar oh for sure is that it i mean yeah i honestly think my <laughs> anxiety and what's so crazy right exactly <laughs> what's so crazy is i really i think my anxiety is for sure, number one. It sounds, I mean, it sounds like it's, especially, yes. especially when you have it as a child. Oh, for sure. Well, I think my anxiety for I sure mean. is my number one, but I really do think a lot 
of it comes from body image. I think that it's oh, wow. such a bigger okay. issue in my life than I think it is because, again, like it's just normal. So I don't think yeah, of it as being the biggest issue in my life. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, oh, it's like totally normal that like I constantly think about like the way no. I look and how I'm sitting no. and how people Because once at me. you get better, because I've gotten to the other side, because I'm perfect. Right, of course. Because um, once you get better, you look back and you're like, oh, that, that was so stupid. Right. No, because like now I look back and I'm like, oh, like literally it's happened to me where like I just went to a family thing and I used to have an disorder and I don't now, but I went to a family thing and every single person there, I'm not even kidding, was like, Drew, you lost 100 pounds. What happened? Drew, like a week ago. And I was like, I lost like 20 pounds recently, but I was like, not from an eating disorder. Right. Like I literally was just kind of stressed and like wasn't eating as much. Mm -hmm. And I, and I go, I used to have an eating disorder and I wanted those compliments and never got them. And now I don't have one and I lost right. weight and I'm like, please go back well, in time and like, tell me I look skinny and great. Like, that's literally a whole nother conversation. Yeah. It's like the language behind it and like right. the way things It's like, you what's say, your secret? Oh my, and no. Like and it's stress. like saying like, when people, like, when I was, like, losing a ton of weight, people would be like, oh, my God, you look so skinny. That would make me, like, lose more weight. Like, it yeah, would do the to, opposite of what then, they think Because then would in be your doing. mind, you're like, oh, so if I eat, I'll get fat, and then they won't give me those compliments. Right. So that's a whole other conversation. But it's, like, yeah. the things you say to people and, like, really thinking about, like, the way, like, your words matter and the way, like, um, I always say, like, I think it's, like, intent versus like effect so it's like you could be intending like such like a great thing but like the effect of it could be so different so and you different. don't even realize it totally um are you i mean covid's obviously having so i'm assuming are you doing any speeches upcoming well or? so i have no talks planned but um literally the week we went into quarantine i had the biggest talk i'd ever done Whoa. that week well no it was the week we went into quarantine so it got canceled but okay. it was like 2,000 people it was like oh something crazy and I was so excited about it and it was a bunch of it was like Deerfield High School Highland Park High School all the Deerfield public schools all the Highland Park public schools and then Bannockburn so it was all of these parents oh from all of those like schools and I actually have a call tomorrow about it because I was literally driving the car yesterday and I was like passing Deerfield High School and I was like why don't we fucking do it on the field I was like, I'll stand at wow. one end with a microphone. Parents could like literally bring lawn chairs or like sit in the bleachers and spread out. And I could, I was like, well, it's nice out. Why don't I like give talks outside? That's so nice. So that's I'm so, actually have a call tomorrow to talk about it, to that's like do so it. That's so nice. Um, wow. But that's my idea. Cause I really like, if it's nice you out really right care. now, why can I not like take a mic and like talk places yeah, outside that like, I was supposed even to? Even like, I mean, my work company because i work for grubhub like sometimes we'll have meetings with like two thousand people on it like you can right. have a zoom call with two thousand well, people. well that was the it. thing people were asking me if i would ever do zoom presentations i don't think it has the same effect. i don't think it has the same effect at all i think i can't see people which like you don't know what like that's how i, I just, feel about doing comedy zoom shows it's right like, i literally denied half of them. i wouldn't do it i was well, like sorry like, i have plans right exactly in <laughs> well and i feel like if i were listening to a presentation on zoom i'd be like on my phone half the time and like not really paying attention like it's just so different I don't think it would be bad. I just don't think it would. No, it wouldn't. It especially wouldn't. with mental health where you like need to feel. Well, and so much of like my favorite part about speaking is the afterwards when people come up and talk to me. And like, what am I supposed to go in breakout rooms with everyone? Like, right. Zoom? Exactly. Like, what am I supposed to do? Exactly. So, yeah. So, no upcoming things. Okay. So. But um, I do have an Instagram that I post on all the time. Yeah. I was just going to say, I yeah. was just going to say to plug your, you're doing my job for me. So, do you have, <laughs> do, you have an, do you have an Instagram you'd like to yeah, plug? How do you I do. spell it? It's H A Y, like, hey, like, Haley underscore, it's okay to not be okay. Oh, I love that. Um, okay like hey like that kind of cute little pun um but um 
my the okay on my uh instagram is just okay there's no like a y at the end of it so mm-hmm. it's just hey underscore it's okay to not be okay okay but my facebook page is it's okay to not be okay movement spelled out okay i so, love yeah, that I'm on so facebook go follow and that instagram. and then follow it instagram facebook like the facebook page yeah and just like Um, talk to me that's like i honestly like my favorite thing is just like talking to people on social mm -hmm. media because i love it too yeah it's awesome yeah no it is and um i've talked to some people too on social media about my podcast and stuff and it's great um it's great to help people it's great getting good feedback about it i I, obviously you've probably gotten really good feedback about that (laughs) and like heard probably parents talk to you about like something their kid's struggling with um so I usually ask, because usually I have like a question. It's okay. Prepared, but I wanted to ask you like if you could give somebody a piece of advice about um, not mental health, but, well, obviously mental health, (laughs) but like if you had to give somebody a piece of advice who, because I I know you said you're a person who kind of hides things, what Mm -hmm. would you give? a person who kind of has an ego because that's part of it that's Mm -hmm. like having the ego like of not telling people like what would you what's the first step into telling somebody that they're struggling it's so interesting because I always end all of my talks and like all of my posts with start the conversation share your story it's okay to not be okay but that's like my thing right so then people say like well how am I supposed to have the conversation I'm not telling you to go give a presentation in front of 500 people or to like go up to your mom and be like, oh my God, all these things have been going on. But it's like, next time your mom asks you like, how's your day? Don't be like, it's fine. How are you? Be like, I actually kind of had a shitty day. Like, I don't really want to talk about it, but like, I like had a shit day. So just honesty. Honesty. And I think like, I think so many people think that when they're struggling with so many things in order to open up, they have to tell someone everything and be like, oh my God, all of these things are going on. Just start a conversation and just share one thing that you may mm-hmm. be struggling with. I think just to break the ice. That, right. And I think also, too, like there's things where like you can make a code word with somebody like, right. hey, this is like strawberry is when I'm really fucking like want to kill myself. Exactly. Like whatever, <laughs> you know, like you got to do that. OK, so follow you on Instagram, Facebook. Um, anything else you'd like to share before you before we end the podcast? Um, I don't know. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. You're welcome. I love yes, doing this. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot of help out of this. And I think, um, you know, I think it's super nice to talk to somebody who's really open about it. Um, and you're very young. There are people who are older than you that don't really know how to express their emotions. Oh, do I know that? Becoming an alcoholic. <laughs> and um, wow, that got dark. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing it. And thank you so much for listening to Doing Time. Thanks.